This is Unmasked, the real face of the heroes. A six-part podcast with dramatised interviews of frontline workers in one of the UK's largest NHS hospitals, St George's, in London. This is a unique insider's view of the human beings at the heart of the COVID-19 crisis. Episode 4. I had been turning up unannounced at the door of estates manager Jenny for weeks to keep track of the rest facilities for the junior doctors. The pillows I'd rushed out to buy before lockdown were now in no way adequate. Great news, however. Sleep pods and well-being rooms were on their way for the staff. There's always been this silent army keeping the hospital ticking by, and now there was an energy to them. Jenny found me Claire, who found me Rosanna, who found me Maureen. Maureen felt more comfortable being interviewed with Rosanna, and so we had our double-hander. The death of young men from the BAME communities has been a particularly cruel part of the pandemic, and for those who lost colleagues and friends and continue with such cheerfulness has been inspiring. And Kishore found me one of his hospital family, Bridges. Without the cleaners and porters, there is no hospital. May 25th, 2020. A porter can go anywhere and see anybody from wards to behind the scenes, like the pharmacy, the stores, the manifold rooms, everywhere. You see a lot of what's going on, trying to make a difference. We do feel that they are the front line, and as deputy porter and manager, I always remind them that no one should say otherwise. It's been different in a sense that we've been acknowledged a lot more. I think porters feel that they are being included. We've not felt afraid. The porters have just got stuck in. It's been scary as it would be because it's the unknown, but as soon as something comes up, you just go in and then you just worry about it later on. You try to be as safe and protected as you possibly can, but that's all like second nature, to come in and just try and help as much as you can, which has been really, really good to see. So for me, I start as a domestic manager two months ago. So when I onboarded to work at St George's, the coronavirus was just starting. I'd never worked at a hospital environment before, so for me, I don't know if it was fear for myself, but the fact for my staff. They're just like the nurses. They had to do infection control, so we rapidly had to train them on how to deal with COVID. If there is a patient, you have to go into their room in full PPE. So I think we were all very thrown very quickly into what we needed to do. Initially, I think everybody was very afraid. I managed the areas that were first really affected with everyone coming in, but the staff were really amazing. They just embraced what you told them to do. You know, they just went and did it in full PPE. They were fearful, they were fearful, but at the same time, because we're doing our day jobs and because we have to do it and because they feel I am part of the NHS, there is no way I'm not going to disinfect whatever I have to disinfect. So the transformation was amazing from people not wanting to do it. And then you have that talk with them and they say, look, if we don't do it, who's going to do it? You know, so, OK, we will do what we have to do because we're protected. And people did it. I love my job. That's just me. I'm here every day. I've never been late. <laughs> I just like interacting with people. As I say, I'm a people person. And it makes me feel as I'm doing something, you know, being important in some way or form, contributing or something like that, you know. But I don't know. I'm just 
it's my job. It's for me serving the meal, just seeing new patients, meeting new people coming in. I just like being there. I chat to just about everybody. <laughs> I'm always laughing and making jokes, you know, making people happy, right? I mean, I see people just looking a bit down and maybe not having a good day. I'll go in and have a little banter, just laughing at little things, you know, just brighten the days, make it go a little bit faster, hopefully. I mean, that's just me. It's a Caribbean thing anyway. We talk to everybody. If you've been to the Caribbean country, you know that people don't have to know each other to say hello. They just start talking. I don't know if you've ever been to Jamaica. We're just funny people. We just like silly things, listening to music and having a laugh, you know. Make it fun. That's just us anyhow. As I said, you don't want to be doing all of that worrying. You, know, you have to focus on trying to make things better. And now looking back, and now looking at what's right now, things are a little bit... Like, there's no COVID. I'm not being funny. This is serious. This is how I feel, as if there isn't any. It's there, but to me, it just feels like it's just a normal day. At one point, we thought it might be awful forever, but then, then as time goes by, the atmosphere feels different to me. It just has that calm, as if there's no COVID around. The workers, they did very excellent work, constantly working on Top of the job, 24-7. They never gave up. Even if they could have found excuses not to come to work or whatever, they were there because they wanted to make a difference. Most of the team that I gained have been here for a long while. And for me to be new and to be welcomed to a team that is so lovely. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I can't say any more than that. There are so many great people working and they just want to come and do their job and expect to do it well. I manage porters in ICU and GICU, in outpatients, inpatients, so we're sort of scattered everywhere. What we technically try to do is help wherever we can help. So when this first started, we helped create ITU beds, wards, COVID wards, so that meant moving all the beds, getting everything ready, equipment if they needed equipment. The other important thing that we started to do was helping pharmacy to try and help with the medication. There's nothing that we don't really do. It can be from moving oxygen cylinders to manifold rooms, it can be linen requests, it can be empty bed requests, it could be moving requests. Tonight I'm going to set up the helipad for the BBC. They're coming to film the clap. I'm getting everyone up the stairs and in the lifts, making sure social distancing is the top priority. We are so close in it. And being the Porter's Lodge, everyone can kind of come in and everybody knows everyone on a personal level. There's a lot more openness about talking about COVID. They can share their opinion. I know there are a few Porters who have kids that have written messages they've brought in as well. So the acknowledgement that they get out of work as well as in work has been amazing. I think we integrate quite well because there's quite a good rapport among porters and colleagues as well which really really helps because you don't need to say much, you can just come in and do what you need to do. And everyone just knows what they do and they go on with it really. When you're a porter you kind of stick out. If someone's there doesn't know what they're doing they'll come and find a porter. We do see patient family members, if there's any way that we can try to help we do. I know especially there have been challenging times in the sense of trying to make sure everyone is kept safe. So it's just little things like that. 
it's not as bad at the moment because the cases are going down and a lot more people are going home, but it's to make sure that you stay on top of things and not let it fall to the back of your mind. I just don't have that fear, if you see what I mean. I don't know. I can't explain it. I just get it done. It's just another day, you know. I'm a people person. I like making jokes, having a bit of a laugh, banter, whatever. But, you know, for me, work is what you get. I'm not fearful of it, maybe at first, but then after it was... I had one friend that was saying, she was all in a panic. Oh, are you wearing a mask? Are you wearing this on the bus? I said, no. I just wash my hands very often, you know? And I wear protective gear when I have to, but, you know, I just did not think about it. My typical day is when I come in, in the evenings. I work in a different area, but right now, I work in what is used as an admissions area. But I still go over there and do my job in the kitchen, as well as paediatrics, and upstairs in the kitchen as well. And later on in the evening, I come back to go to Richmond Ward and serve up the meal. And you know, we wear all our protective gears when we work in our, when we have to go into the patient's room. So we are properly protected, you know. We have the staff all ready to help us. The nurses take the meals to the patient. We go in after and take the trays. We stay and have a little quick talk, but not for very long. You know, we have to go to a different sectors to pick up all the trays and stuff. So we can't have a very long conversation. But you know, it's very sad to see them looking so poorly. But there's not much you can do. They're already in the right place and are being looked after. We were quite lucky. We didn't have any issues. We didn't have any loss. We had loss on different wards, but not with our area. So after this couple of weeks, we're just doing our normal job. And I didn't have any people not coming to work, being sick. People just came and did what they had to do and then went home and carried on with their lives. To me, you know, that was amazing. My own husband was in hospital for two weeks with it, but I had to be with my team because there's nothing I can do for my husband. I know that he's okay. I know that he's with the right person. You know, I know he's in the right place. I have to be here to support my staff. It was challenging, but I found it amazing how we human beings just cope with what is thrown at us. The mortuary was quite a big project in a sense, in trying to create space. So we sent porters down to try and help relieve pressure on space and help set it up. The communication has been really straightforward. It's been precise. We know what we need to do and what we're not supposed to do and we needed to keep in mind that the fridges would fill up. So it's knowing when the fridges are full, who to get in contact with to know what to do and what to use. It's been helpful to support the wards with body bags or PPE. I think PPE has been the biggest challenge just to make sure that everyone feels safe and try to distribute that around the whole hospital as and where needed. And just all the challenging questions that have come through working for infection control, liaising with them backwards and forwards. That's been a massive help for us because it kind of gives us a better understanding. Some colleagues have found it difficult. It was just the sheer number of deaths more than anything because that grows quite high quite quickly and it does take a mental toll. One of my colleagues felt overwhelmed. He went to ICU dressed up and you could just see the patients break down and it just kind of hit home to him, the importance of it. So we've been trying to advise them, give them some guidance and support, put them in the right direction to let you know that we're here. Everyone can talk to each other and come together. People were more scared first off when it first happened. 
But now it's just getting much calmer and people are a little more relaxed. I'm just quite laid back. I don't think too much about what's going on because when you think about it too much, you start being scared and all of that. But I've never been. I don't know why I never have any fear of it. Maybe in the first part I was a little bit, you know, scared. But after I don't think about it, I'm sorry, I just don't know what to say. I just don't have that fear. The colleagues that were lost, they were not in my team, but Maureen knows all of them. Yes. How I met them? When I was training, the manager said to us, make sure you say hello to somebody because you don't know what day they're having. So you pass and you say good morning and, and good afternoon and whatever. But I knew one colleague. I met him through another colleague, but when I heard that he passed, I didn't even know it was him. I went upstairs a few days ago and I saw somebody and straight away it clicked back, straight away, and I said, oh my God, I knew that guy. But there's one particular one. He's Jamaican. He was in my area and we took the same bus. <laughs> but the good Lord giveth and the good Lord taketh away. And the other one I worked with when I was on the fifth floor. I didn't know him very well, but just someone I've seen around a few times. So We celebrated the lives of our colleagues. We talked about them, what they meant to us. They've been here for years, what they meant for us. And everyone spoke just a little bit about how they met them, their experience with that person. I think it was wonderful because everybody remembered them for that moment. We also had a box with some money for the families and the senior leadership did something more mm. for the families. And the trust mm -hmm. also did something for the families. But again, you know, it's like any death. We know that it happens. It's part of life. It's part of life. Mm. And we're very sad that they had to go that way because it's painful to have to mm -hmm. go that way. But again, as a team, we carry on. That's what we've done. That's true. Mm. We think about them often. There's so much good work everyone does. And I think it's just not only in the NHS, but outside as well. Those key workers out there because everyone has a role to play and then just seeing everybody come together. I'll be happy to see it carry on and not just stop because of all the amazing work that everyone's done inside and outside has just been amazing. I reckon the clapping is amazing. It's good for everyone to acknowledge and show support. It's not just for the NHS, it's for everyone. The clapping, I really appreciate it. Everyone is really appreciating the hard work that we do here and in the evenings, when I'm going home, I can hear all that clapping. I forget that they're clapping for me. I'm making a difference. But at the same time, the nurses are the one on the front line and the doctors. And I'm like, oh man, it's just a menial kind of job. But you know. Uh, but it's not. It's not a menial kind of job. It's not, but that's just my way of thinking at the time. Hmm. I love it. Every time I clap, I have tears because I'm just that sort of a person. I'll cry for happiness. <laughs> I cry for sadness. Mm. What else can I say? I love it. But in the last two weeks, I've managed to get home before the clap. But again, I've just seen all the neighbours interacting. That's something we don't do. So for me, it's something else. Last week I got out and I went outside and it was almost at the end, but they were like, oh, but we haven't seen you for so long, where you've been? It's nice to catch up, it's nice to connect with you, with your neighbours. Yeah. 
So if we have to do that for the rest of our lives, mm. I'd love mm. it. It's important. <laughs> yeah. We had one of our team members. She had COVID. She was in hospital for four weeks, but she pulled through. She survived. And just before she left, I was actually working nights that day. We got everybody and we went to clap. You know, I... I don't know, maybe it's because I'm African. Clapping means a lot. Noise means a lot to us. But for her, she was just crying of happiness. I said, we're clapping because you're alive, because you pulled through. That's so important. So for me, yes, please carry on with the clapping, just to say that we're alive. And to show appreciation. Mm. (laughs) When I'm not at work... I'm in bed, <laughs> I'm sleeping, or catching up on my housework, doing all the things I haven't done during the week. Or I go and see my auntie, who I haven't seen for a couple of weeks because of the COVID. She's about 86. She says, when are you going to come to see me? And I say, as soon as I can. So, you know, we have a little natter. She likes to talk. And she says, oh, can you please come? And I say, auntie, I can't come, although I know you really want to see me. So we'll just have to hold on until we can definitely come and see you. Mm. None of my family wants to see me anyway. (laughs) Because they say you work in a hospital. They're not coming anywhere near me. Mm. There you go. So I have had video chats constantly, which I suppose is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not normally on the phone ever with my family. It's very rarely. I think in terms of family, I speak with them a lot more than I used to. But I also have three boys plus a husband, so that alone, you know, keeps me entertained. But I do relax by reading and listening to music. So for relaxing, it definitely has to be a good read. Listen to your music and fall asleep. My missus is expecting, so we've been occupied in getting the room ready. So we did a virtual baby shower. So going home and relaxing and watching Netflix, things like that really is what I do. It's the simple things. You realise just how comforting it is just doing the small things. Just going home, just relaxing and sharing stories, aimlessly watching TV. Oh my gosh, we've had so many wonderful things. But it came to a point one day when I went to a ward and they were saying, what are we going to do with all of this? (laughs) What people do in times of need. Some days you walk around and you think... Who's going to help me? Who do I knock? And then something like this happens and then suddenly everybody is there to provide everything you need. It's wonderful. I love the whole caring, sharing, people talking about things because otherwise people walk. They just walk. But something is different. We all feel connected again. I see this in all the hospital. People are looking at each other very differently these days. Why are you wearing a mask? Why are you not wearing a mask? And that just opens up the whole conversation. I see the benefits of it. I believe it possibly was meant to happen. We were all meant to look at ourselves. And so, you know what? We are all human beings. And we should all not just rush Mm -hmm. around. We need to look after ourselves. Stop. And maybe working at a hospital, that's what it does. It, It gives us that opportunity. It's to make you smile. I know that you're not happy. Maybe if I just do that, I could maybe remind you that you got through something and that you mean something as well. And to me, that's just wonderful. I just see the positive in everything. (laughs) Seeing the positive. Yes, I do. You have to be. 
You get to meet people, you see difference in different cultures, you get to see the difference of people in different settings, you get to know more about them. It's nice. If you only ever see people passing day in and day out, sometimes people call to you, sometimes not, you appreciate it. Because you're in hospital, it makes a difference. It's really good. I can't complain. I understand a bit more the amount of work that everybody does do. Um, when everybody comes together, the big difference, the massive difference it makes. I think just everybody coming together. It doesn't matter where you're located. Everyone just kind of, it doesn't really matter. Everyone comes together and just helps as and when they can. Unmasked is a Serena Hayward production. Darren Cuppen was Bridget Shah. Aisha Antoine was Rosanna. Susan Lawson Reynolds was Maureen, with Tracy Ann Oberman as Dr. Serena Hayward. It was written by Serena Hayward and Joseph Lidster. It was directed by Neil J. Biden. Production assisted by Sarah Weatherall, Davy Biden Oaks, Helena Copsey, Glenn Webb, and Holly Conley, with original music by Franna Otter. Special thanks to Torian Antoine Chagall, in association with St George's Charity and St George's NHS Trust. Please support the NHS Charity and Actors Benevolent Fund on Just Giving. For more information, please visit unmasked.org.uk.